Welcome to the David Glenn Show. Hope you had a fantastic weekend in the wild and wacky world of sports and beyond. We have some fun in store for you today, including our good friend Jay Billis from ESPN. He loves college hoops. He knows college hoops. He, from time to time, will pummel the NCAA as one of its highest profile critics. We'll talk hoops. We'll talk NCAA. We'll talk Duke and Carolina and the other national contenders in our backyard and beyond. Jay Billis in about 60 minutes. Joe Person in about 30 minutes. The latter, one of our favorites on the NFL and the Carolina Panthers. Y'all know that famous song, The Day the Music Died? If you're a Carolina Panthers fan, you could write your own lyrics to a new song. The day the season died. Because for your Carolina Panthers, while still mathematically eligible to make a run at the playoffs, at five and five, the details of a 29 to three home loss to a Falcons team that was two and seven as it arrived in the Queen City. The details suggest that yesterday was indeed the day the season died. The offensive line was bad again. The run defense was bad again. Young quarterback Kyle Allen does not look like the starter of the future. Better than many backups, indeed, yes. Even after that eyesore of a performance against Atlanta. A future starting caliber NFL guy Still, the answer to me is probably not. The day the season died and other details from the NFL. If it's Monday, you know that that means we invite your statewide participation before and after our guest, Joe Person on the NFL from The Athletic Carolina, Jay Billis on College Hoops and other things from ESPN. Best and worst of the weekend means this. I bring to you the best and worst things that I saw in the sports weekend. From the NFL, week 11 wraps up tonight with an intriguing matchup in my eyes. The Chiefs against the Chargers in Mexico City. Patrick Mahomes back from his knee injury last week with some big numbers, but in defeat. The Chiefs have actually lost four of their last six, some of them without Mahomes last year's MVP at the controls. The other half of that QB matchup, of course, is former NC State superstar Phillip Rivers. He actually was leading the NFL in passing yards coming into the weekend that was. So Chiefs Chargers will put an exclamation point perhaps on the NFL weekend that was. As on the field, Todd Gurley and the Rams, the New England Patriots going to Philly and beating the Eagles. Lant, Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens, Jimmy Garoppolo and the San Francisco 49ers, Dak Prescott and the Cowboys, Kirk Cousins and the Vikings. I got all your votes for them and others for best of the weekend in the NFL. And of course, your Carolina Panthers were among the leading vote getters for worst of the weekend. It was the off the field story. Colin Kaepernick versus the NFL. The NFL definitely did extend an olive branch this past Tuesday. They did something that they were not required to do, setting up that for anyone who wanted to see it workout and interview setting for Colin Kaepernick out of the league since 2016, remember. That olive branch extended by the NFL last Tuesday ended up being treated like a poison hemlock branch 
by, Ke by Colin Kaepernick and his people. Of course, the NFL's scheduled workout never happened for the 32-year-old Kaepernick. Instead, after he declined to sign their waiver and he didn't like the way the media was being treated and he didn't like who was going to have the rights to the video and how many people could take video, after all that commotion on Saturday, the Kaepernick folks had their own workout and brief conversation with the assembled media. Only eight NFL teams were represented in person at that. Of course, they can all get the Kaepernick version of the video from what happened there. That was a worst of the weekend for many. Some are blaming the NFL, as you'd expect. Others are blaming Kaepernick and his people, as you'd expect. I have my thoughts on how I would have advised him as an attorney if I saw the waiver that the NFL put in front of him. And also just some general advice for a guy who clearly is back in the spotlight, clearly is one of the most polarizing figures we've seen in the NFL in many, many years, if not my lifetime, may or may not have at the top of his pecking order getting a job in the NFL again. That's up for debate. I'm not assuming that it's down the ladder. I'm not assuming that it is number one. But, of course, his critics are questioning exactly that. His motives, after collecting a seven-figure settlement, remember, from the NFL over those collusion arguments and grievances that he and the Panther safety Eric Reed filed and ultimately won in the form of those big financial settlements, you can guess about his motives. I have some advice for him as we welcome yours, 1-800-849-2761. Beyond the NFL's best and worst of the weekend, college football was all over the place. Oklahoma got a big win, a huge record comeback to beat Baylor. So congrats to the head coach, Lincoln Riley. Our, our guest here on the David Glenn Show, dating back to his ECU days, our good friend Ruffin McNeil, Jalen Hurts, the Alabama transfer quarterback. They needed... A 24 to nothing second half against one of the unbeaten teams in the FBS ranks. The Baylor Bears go down for the first time. Oklahoma gets that win and has a competitive one-loss resume as we look forward to the committee rankings tomorrow night. We know Georgia is likely to remain the number one one-loss resume. They went to Auburn and beat a good Tigers team. App State kept its dreams alive with a big win at Georgia State. Virginia Tech annihilated Georgia Tech and has won five of its last six, keeping its Coastal Division title hopes alive. We'll see if we get to see the Hokies against the Clemson Tigers in Charlotte, or will it be the Cavaliers or the Pitt Panthers? Louisville went to NC State and took out the Wolfpack. The worst of the weekend in college football was all over the place. If you wanted an outsider to crash the playoff party, you had a bad weekend. Because both Baylor and Minnesota, those were not names that you typically see in such lofty conversations, they both lost for the first time this weekend. It would be very hard for them to scramble back with one-loss resumes. Meanwhile, whether you love Alabama or hate Alabama, your heart has to go out to Tua Tungavaloa. The T Crimson Tide's quarterback is undergoing hip surgery today. Remember, he had ankle surgery last month. He's a possible number one overall pick in the NFL draft. He dislocated his right hip this weekend as the Tide was winning yet another game, 38-7 at Mississippi State. For anyone wondering, it was late in the first half. So Nick Saban is getting criticism for jeopardizing his key guy twice now with the crazy, weird, creative ankle surgery a month ago and now the dislocated hip. It was still the first half of a 38-7 win at Mississippi State. Quick reminder for college football fans, 
the Tide, number five in the college football playoff rankings. They actually have Western Carolina this week. They close the regular season at Auburn. Auburn losing to Georgia is only 7-3 and three now. And rather than the playoff committee imagining both that elite defense of Alabama and Tua Tungavailoa as the man at the controls were the Tide to end up being one of the top one-loss resumes, 11-1 and one perhaps, win at Auburn would upgrade the resume. They only have one quality win at this point. They can no longer picture Tua Tungavailoa at the controls in that committee room. The Crimson Tide is the only program in America that has never missed the college football playoff bracket. We've had that format for five years. The Tide is the only one that has been there all five years. Alabama's chances of ending up in that Final Four went down in a big way because of injury, even though they got the win at Mississippi State. Would a committee possibly send an 11-1 Alabama without its starting quarterback and at most with two quality wins would they say that those tie, that tied team is, quote, unequivocally better than a one-loss Power 5 champion from elsewhere? Remember the word unequivocally is part of the rules if you are not a conference champion. If you're that 11-1 Alabama trying to crash the party as a non-champion, you must be unequivocally better. Do you see them that with the backup Mac Jones in for the injured Tua? Harder to project that more as we watch the college football week unfold with the committee rankings again tomorrow night. Rodney in Greensboro wants to be best, wants to be first for best or worst of the weekend. The Canes got a nice win over Eric Stahl in the wild in Minnesota. They have a three-game winning streak. That's a best of the weekend. The Marty Party, Jordan Martinook returned from his injury. Andre Svechnikov had the game winner in overtime. Kyle Busch at the age of 34 certified himself as a future Hall of Famer in the NASCAR world. He is now a multi-time Cup Series champion. He won at Homestead. He won back in 2015, now 2019. You know the, the names at the top of that list. Richard Petty, Dale Sr., Jimmy Johnson, they all have seven championships. Jeff Gordon has four. Tony Stewart and others have three. Kyle Busch joins a handful of others with two Cup Series titles. And at 34 years old, he, of course, can add to that list. Big weekend for him in the M&M's car for Joe Gibbs Racing as they win it all once more. The Lakers, the Rockets, and even your Charlotte Hornets were among the highlights of the NBA weekend. Wake Forest got whacked at Clemson in college football. Duke got crushed by Syracuse at home in college football. NC State lost at home to Louisville in college football. Going back to Thursday, remember, Carolina lost in overtime at Pitt. The South Carolina Gamecocks got crushed at Texas A&M. People are asking about Will Muschamp's future with the Gamecocks. They are now 4-7 and seven and have to deal with the Clemson Tigers to close the regular season. Openings at Arkansas in the SEC, Florida State in the ACC. Will the Gamecocks Cox be added to that list. We shall see. 1-800-849-2761. I know many of you want in for Colin Kaepernick versus the NFL. Both got votes for worst of the weekend. Not as much best of the weekend. You can jump in with your question or comment. College basketball saw Carolina and Duke and NC State and the Charlotte 49ers getting wins this weekend. The latter at the expense of the ACC's Wake Forest Demon Deacons. Week 11 in the NFL. We 
week 12 of college football. College Hoops, NHL, NASCAR, NBA, it's all fair game and you can take us elsewhere. Two great guests later, intern Will is taking your calls right now. 1-800-849-2761. What was the best thing you saw anywhere in the sports universe and why? What was the worst thing you saw and why? Going back to last Thursday, votes for Browns defensive end Miles Garrett. He of the at least six-game suspension for trying to bash Mason Rudolph over the head with his own helmet. 1-800-849-2761. My best and worst of the weekend. My advice for Colin Kaepernick with your calls. 1-800-849-2761. Next on the David Glenn Show. I made a reference to Mike Krzyzewski of Duke and his GOAT status. And I kid you not, I got angry emails. If I really wanted to insult somebody, I would include some kind of sentence about being in the bleeping prairie chewing on grass. This is the David Glenn Show. I'm not concerned about California. What I'm concerned about is his growing pains. He's a young quarterback who's going to make young mistakes. But that's why you put him out there, because, again, it's, it is a learning curve. But I'm not worried about it. But we're going to go, and we're going to live with his learning pains, because that's what the game's all about. This is, what, his year and a half, eighth or ninth game? He's going to get better. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to Best and Worst of the Weekend. A little Ron Rivera for you. It was a disaster in Charlotte yesterday. 29-3, Falcons over Panthers. Saw an article at ESPN.com earlier this morning talking about the eight teams fighting for six playoff spots in the NFC and the Panthers despite being only five and five were not even mentioned the Eagles also five and five were listed in the article now if you watch the Patriots beat the Eagles you know that the Eagles belonged on the same field as New England as Bill Belichick's defense was brilliant again as the weather was crazy even as Tom Brady was frustrated in victory at the lack of a role the offense played in the Patriots win over the Eagles the only touchdown pass for New England was not even from Tom Brady it was a trick play where Julian Edelman was the quarterback pumping up his QB rating and other numbers the Eagles belonged in that article, and the Panthers did not. They have the same record, but they are nothing like one another when you start peeling the onion. Ron Rivera is trying to sound optimistic about Kyle Allen's future, but the line was bad. Some of these things we discussed way back in August as potential weak links in the Panthers' chain. The line was bad. The backup quarterback promoted to starter long ago, Kyle Allen, was flat-out bad, and his turnover problems continued in a really bad way. The run defense was bad. Matt Ryan carved up the Panthers again, and it really wasn't much of a game. It just looked like Atlanta was flat-out the better football team, and that was a 2-7 and seven Falcon squad as they arrived in the Queen City. You can jump in. That was a leading vote-getter for worst of the weekend as was the Colin Kaepernick NFL debacle. After your calls, I will chime in on my th with my thoughts on that off-the-field matter, as well as the Rams, the Patriots, the Ravens, the Niners, the Cowboys, the Vikings in the NFL best of the weekend. Oklahoma, Georgia, App State, Virginia Tech, Louisville, and others in college football among the best of the weekend. Kyle Busch in NASCAR, the Carolina Hurricanes, the Charlotte Hornets, the Rockets, the Lakers, and others in the NBA. You can be next with your best or worst of the weekend at 1-800-849-2761. Jay Billis live in 40 minutes from ESPN. Joe Person live later this hour on the Panthers and the NFL from the Athletic Carolina. Rodney in Greensboro, go ahead with your best or worst of the weekend. Welcome to the program. Good afternoon, DJ. How you doing? Doing great, man. What's on your mind? 
best of the weekend, Ravens. Uh, Lamar Jackson is definitely an NFL MVP candidate. He, he's a real good. 41-7. I thought that was going to be the game of the weekend. Ravens against Deshaun Watson and the Texans, two of the most promising young QBs. Uh, the Ravens defense had a lot to do with why Watson's afternoon was miserable. But, yeah, Lamar Jackson and the Ravens collectively look to be about as dangerous as anybody else in the NFL right now. Absolutely. And worst of the weekend, Panthers, uh, that was hard to watch. That was really it hard was. to watch. And, and honestly, the, the, the Panthers didn't send anybody down to Atlanta, but you're probably thinking they probably should have just to get a, get a peek at, at Kaepernick just, just to see what he probably could bring and what he could do, get him in, get him in in March and see what he could do. It's an interesting point, and Eric Reed of the Carolina Panthers, of course, Ka Colin Kaepernick's closest friend in the NFL, was there in Atlanta. He had to leave early because, of course, he had a game to prepare for against the Falcons back in Charlotte. The originally planned workout never happened, as you all know by now. There was some crazy back and forth between Eric Reed of the Panthers and Stephen A. Smith of ESPN, among many others. I won't solve all of those debates for you right now, but I will offer this advice to Colin Kaepernick because whereas I've defended him in con some contexts and criticized him in others, and I wonder how many, else, how many others fit that description. We have somehow become an all-in or all-against country in many ways, especially if the topic involves something as sensitive as race. Somebody is either all good or all bad, for example. Uh, I've never been that way with Colin Kaepernick. My lawyer and journalism brain is not wired in a way that makes virtually anything all good or all bad, and that includes a polarizing figure like Colin Kaepernick as well. It did not surprise me that there was a massive two-way lack of trust between the NFL and Colin Kaepernick, right? This is a league that was sued via grievance by Colin Kaepernick. And remember, they lost that grievance in the sense that they had to pay Colin Kaepernick a seven-figure settlement and they had to pay Eric Reed a seven-figure settlement. So whereas Kaepernick has been out of the league, he's what a, some backup quarterbacks in the NFL don't even make a million dollars a year. Colin Kaepernick made more than a million dollars a year on average over these last three years based on the size of the financial settlement he got because there was enough evidence of collusion to keep him out of the league that the NFL ultimately decided to settle rather than going through with the entire grievance process. So Eric Reed remembers kind of double dipping. He signed the multi-million dollar deal to play for the Panthers and he also had a seven-figure financial settlement. But putting that aside for, the, for a while, you all saw the debate about the legal waiver. I don't trust the NFL either when they say the waiver they asked Kaepernick to sign was based on, wasn't, wasn't exactly the same, but was based on the waiver they asked other prospective NFL players to sign at other workouts. That's not good enough. What is wrong with the waiver that you ask others to sign routinely? Why is this one just based on that? If I'm Colin Kaepernick and I've been mistreated to the point that I won my grievance about at least some of you colluding to keep me out of the league, no, that is not going to zip right past my lawyer's eyes. There's some weird language in there that could be interpreted as Colin Kaepernick, because of this workout hosted by the NFL, is foregoing any possible collusion lawsuits moving forward. And I'm not having my client sign that, period. Now, should it have been worked out during the week? Of course it should have. It, in a functional world, 
you have more than like two hours to give an answer to a question about the workout in Atlanta. In a functional world, lawyers have time to iron out language in a waiver. In a functional world, you work out ahead of time who's allowed to run the video equipment and who's going to distribute it and for what purposes and what is it not allowed to be used for. That's what time and space and attorneys and discussions and back and forth are for. It happens all day, every day in the business world. This was a really, really quick, filled with question marks process between two groups that have no trust for one, each, for one another. It was not surprising to me that they couldn't come to resolution in the heat of the moment as the thing is about to start and they're arguing about the terms and, and language in the waiver and they're arguing about who's allowed to use the video and for what and they're arguing about whether the media is allowed in because Kaepernick says he wants transparency, which I respect, and the NFL is saying, well, we agreed to no media and the video is going to be available to all 32 NFL teams. So what do you need the media for? It's the teams that are going to be asking the interview questions. Kaepernick's people said that wasn't enough. Next thing you know, they're having their own workout with a smaller number of observers an hour to the south. Hugh Jackson was supposed to run the workout. He said, I'm done with this, went to the airport and flew out of town. Of the 25 teams that were supposedly at the Atlanta Falcons complex ready for the NFL version of this, only eight made it made their way to the Kaepernick workout with cameras rolling independently with receivers that he brought to the table. They argued about just about everything you could argue about. As we look forward to Joe Person of the Athletic Carolina and his visit in just a little bit, my number one piece of advice to Colin Kaepernick would be this. Rather than picturing hypocrites like Jerry Jones of the Dallas Cowboys when you are trying to get back to the NFL, I mean, Jerry Jones is a guy who became one of the poster children for calling out Colin Kaepernick for kneeling during the anthem and in front of the flag, despite the fact that there's video that shows Jerry Jones talking and laughing through the national anthem himself. If that doesn't define outrageous hypocrisy, if that doesn't mean that you are fundamentally disingenuous, wait a minute. I'm the rich white guy, so I'm allowed to laugh and goof off and talk through the anthem whenever I want to, but you're the employee and you'll do as you're told? I don't think so. And I think fair-minded people see the disingenuous nature of somebody like Jerry Jones, who doesn't mind when some of his rich and powerful buddies beat up on Colin Kaepernick for silently, peacefully protesting during the anthem, and yet Jerry Jones himself, there was nothing silent or peaceful or polite about him talking and laughing through the anthem. You can find it on video if you're not one of those people so close-minded that you just came to your conclusion that Colin Kaepernick is unworthy for whatever reason. Sometimes race is involved, sometimes not. But if you came to a conclusion and then lied your way to get to that conclusion, you're as disingenuous as Jerry Jones is here. I would ask Colin Kaepernick to instead envision owners who have shown an open mind, head coaches and other decision makers who have shown an open mind, and ask yourself, how would you approach them? If you picture Jerry Jones, you're going to be paranoid. You're going to feel mistreated because he mistreated you. You're going to feel like they're out to collude against you again. Jerry Jones, under oath, said a lot of he, he and a lot of his other owners are fearful of a powerful person with a toddler's tantrum style of tweeting 
would somehow come after them if they were the ones to sign Colin Kaepernick. That's under oath. That's how you get to the truth, right? After lots of owners lying about that reality, finally we got to the truth, and that's what it is. Don't picture Jerry Jones, who you know is not going to give you a fair shake, because you've never seen him show the willingness to do so. Picture David Tepper, who gave your friend Eric Reed a chance. Picture Andy Reid of the Chiefs, who's not only a quarterback's guru, but as a huge chunk of America was telling everybody, there's no way you could sign somebody who was in charge of a dog fighting ring. I mean, there are people in our country who are more upset when dogs are mistreated than when actual human beings are mistreated. That's where we are. But Andy Reid defiantly said, I'm signing that guy. He served his time. He deserves another chance. Instead of picturing Jerry Jones or the many others who have your best interest so far out of their scheme of influence that they're still calling you names behind your back and stabbing you in the back metaphorically. Think about a Jeffrey Lurie of the Eagles, who not only is open-minded, but when his Eagles players have stood up against things like police brutality, which educated people understand is a real thing and ignorant people pretend is not. When Jeffrey Lurie's Eagles have stood up in favor of racial and social justice and against specific forms of racial and social injustice, Jeffrey Lurie, Eagles owner, has sometimes been with them meeting with law enforcement, meeting with community leaders. I mean, that's putting your money and your time where your mouth is. For every Jerry Jones, there is somebody like a David Tepper of the Panthers or a Jeffrey Lurie of the Eagles or an Andy Reid of the Chiefs or a Pete Carroll of the Seattle Seahawks, who was on the record last year saying Colin Kaepernick's not only still good enough to play in this league, he's still good enough to start in this league. That's the head coach of the Seattle Seahawks. There are multiple head coaches who would be open-minded toward you. There are multiple NFL owners who are, and I've, I believe have a track record that, have shown, that has shown they are open-minded toward you. If you keep envisioning those who hate you the most, and mistrust you the most, you are going to make it difficult for you to get another job. Now, only you know where that is in your pecking order. What is most important to you? Still being a voice on these racial and social injustice matters or getting another job in the NFL? If getting another job in the NFL is high enough in your pecking order, Colin Kaepernick, you need to be able to envision in these tricky negotiations sometimes about workouts or free agency or anything else. Try to envision the fair-minded, reasonable NFL decision makers rather than envisioning the guys that were out to get you from the start and would never, ever, ever give you a fair shake. You're right that many of those owners and decision makers are still against you to the degree that many Americans are still against you. You're not wrong about that. You're absolutely right about it. But if you want a job again, you better be able to picture those who are fair-minded, who are open-minded, who have shown that toward you and toward others. David Tepper of the Carolina Panthers has called out one of your biggest critics as a pathological liar and a narcissistic, demented scumbag on the public record. That's how David Tepper went after one of your highest-profile critics. And he's got the receipts to back it up for anybody who's paying attention. Speak to those guys. Have your representatives negotiate in good faith with people of good faith. 
if you don't get to that point with your approach to the NFL, they're not going to get to that point with their approach to you. Joe Person of the Athletic Carolina on the other side. Jay Billis on college basketball and the NCAA. In about 30 minutes, your phone calls in between and after at 1-800-849-2761. All things NFL, the Panthers disaster, the Kaepernick workout with Joe Person next. Dean in Wilmington, you're up on the David Glenn Show. The NCAA book on violations that say sick Superman has trouble carrying. This is true. However, it's not buried into the small print in the back that you're not allowed to drive luxury cars that aren't yours. Okay? (laughs) Keep it here on the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Jay Billis live in about 20 or so minutes. College basketball, we'll talk Duke, Carolina. We'll also talk about the NCAA in the James Wiseman, James Wiseman Memphis basketball case, the Ohio State Chase Young football case. Jay, a longtime critic of the NCAA. We'll also pick his brain, of course, about college hoops with that season underway. Joe Person is one of our favorites on the NFL. I believe it was his colleague at the Athletic Carolina who had the tricky task of heading to the Atlanta area and chronicling Colin Kaepernick's workout that did not happen and then the one that did happen. Joe, sadly, had to sit through the 29-3 loss by the Panthers to the previously 2-7 Atlanta Falcons. Joe, welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Before we dive into the Panthers' debacle, what was your biggest takeaway from Colin Kaepernick's weekend, and what advice would you give him if he really wants another job in the NFL? Yeah, first of all, all of us at the Athletic Carolina and the Athletic Atlanta Bureau uh, are indebted to Jordan Rodriguez and should buy her a beer yeah, right. for driving all around the Atlanta metro area. I'll spring for that. Kaepernick. Count me in. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know what? I try, I, I try to see both sides of, of, of any picture like this. And listen, the the waiver, and and I know you have a law degree or a law background for sure. The waiver they wanted him to sign, you know, I I, I wouldn't have signed it either. Right. It was not your, it was not the boilerplate. If you get hurt, this happens. Kind of kind of language. You know, it had that, and then it had the oh, by the way, uh, don't do us again right. if you don't get signed. <laughs> so. You know, it's it, it's unfortunate that they couldn't have come to, to an agreement so that it that that it did not become such a circus on Saturday, which it was, and, and maybe it was always des- destined to be. But uh, you know, it went from what twenty five teams to eight. Uh, you, you heard some kind of some mixed reviews. Some people were were big on his arm strength, but then you know a little uh, less bullish on his accuracy. Well, I know one of that. Uh, this is all according to at least what, what I was reading an NFL yeah. Network report. Someone also said that uh, that you know that he would be a, a backup at this point in his right. career. So I don't know. It, it, you know, it, I, I think the guy deserves a shot. I hate that it kind of got sideways over the weekend. There was even an NFL.com report where the consensus is that only the Kaepernick haters believe that he's not good enough to play in the NFL. Like even his 2016 numbers were actually, you know, middle of the league in many cases. And guys like Matt Barkley haven't done anything for the last three years, and yet he still has a seven-figure job. But in in the bigger picture, do you believe what, you know, Joe Banner and other retired executives said over the weekend where 
because of the details, because of the defiance, because of the disagreeability, that Colin Kaepernick just got less likely to get that next opportunity? If if it is, in fact, uh, the consensus that he is no better at this point than a backup quarterback, then you ask yourself if you're the owner of an NFL team, and you have to market this team, and in the Panthers' case, uh, you know, woo the taxpayers to some degree with all the new facilities and so forth. The question is, is it worth it for a backup quarterback? If, if Is it going to be a distraction, baggage, whatever word you want to use? And I would think probably if most of those guys, who it should be pointed out, are older, rich, white men, I don't think that they're going to want to be bothered with it. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, that, that, I, I think that was the case three years ago, and I think it's still the case today. I saw an article earlier today describing eight NFC teams fighting for six NFC playoff spots, and the Panthers were not even listed, even though, you know, they're five and five. The Eagles are five and five, and the Eagles were listed. Did what you saw yesterday against Atlanta, 29 to 3 Falcons over Panthers, make you believe that this season is essentially toast? You know, the old the old song was the day the music died. We're we're playing the song the day the season died. You know, it feels like it. And and the Eagles are on that list as you know because the NFC East is not the, the runaway right. leader like it is with the Niners and the Packers and the Saints. And as a result, you know, five and five, if you're the Eagles or if you were the Panthers playing in the East, then you're still alive. But And, and that was the case in 2014. I mean, we're kind of going back a ways now. But the Panthers won the uh, South with a 7-8-1 and one record. Yep. And, and they actually won a game. Uh, you know, I'm not ready to bury Ron Rivera yet because I've seen this guy, uh, you know, he, he – we have all kind of written his obituary before, and 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 frankly, he he deserves uh, better than that. A little more patience. I'm not I'm not absolving him of anything. Yeah. Uh, but the way this is headed, it, it sure feels like this is going to be, as you said, a team on the outside looking in where the playoffs are concerned. I mean, at five and five now, and when you look at what the what the Vikings did yesterday, coming back to win. You know, the Rams are hanging in there. Right. Uh, and, you know, just all these teams. Uh, Seattle. I mean, they're not even division leaders. No. Uh, the, the good news for the Panthers is they play a lot of those teams. They play the Saints twice. They play the Seahawks once. Uh, I'm sure the narrative this week from Ron Rivera, who, who we're going to talk to here later this afternoon, I think it's going to be look. You know, we still kind of have it out in front of us. That, you know, we can we we can control it to a certain extent, but how realistic is that? From what I saw yesterday, not there. Remind us of the relationship between Ron Rivera and David Tepper, because Tepper is both a guy who came from the extremely patient Pittsburgh Steelers organization, which what is the number three head coaches in like a half century or something crazy like that, right, uh, and right. yet you know he's also the guy with a pair of brass balls on his desk who uh, has made some pretty, you know, in-your-face decisions in his hedge fund career. Yeah, right, and that's that's what we're trying to figure out. I mean, obviously, he showed, a, he showed patience and restraint last year in, in retaining uh, Marty Herney and Ron Rivera. Pretty much, they're 
you know, the, their collective staffs also. Now there, you know, there was that big uh, shake up with a couple of defensive assistants, but uh, by and large, everyone in the front office and the coaching staff returned intact. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if that'll happen again. But it, 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 I, I, I have to think that if you're a new owner, I mean, he's put a lot of his own people in place on the business side. I think it's logical to, to, to think and suggest that he would want some of his own people mostly his own people on the football side, especially if you go back-to-back years without making the playoffs. And uh, Ron Rivera's run a great program here. Uh, you know, he's done it with class and dignity. Nobody questions the kind of man he is, right. but it's a, it's a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately kind of league. And I think David Tepper's going to be looking at the potential of back-to-back playoff less seasons for a team he paid now a record $2.3 billion for. Joe Person joining us. Find his work at The Athletic Carolina on Twitter. He is at Joseph Person. When you think about Kyle Allen's day, he took five sacks. He had four more interceptions, and some of those could not be blamed on the offensive line. I don't know if you're at your, uh, you know, splice the video stage of the week yet, but, but how do you put that into context in a world where I think most of us wondered about the Panthers' offensive line this summer? And that has been a weak spot, but Kyle Allen's gone from making a lot of the right decisions in the right place to making a lot of the wrong decisions in the wrong place. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he had a he's had a bad uh, couple of weeks for sure, um, and and a lot of those were on him. Uh, did he get happy feet or get the yips in the pocket because of, of the, the fact that it was collapsing on him for a good portion of Sunday afternoon? Maybe, uh, but but you bring up a good point, like. This, the offensive line, like here's what here's what I would be a little concerned about if I if I were David Tepper. This is an area that Marty Herney addressed in the offseason. Mm-hmm. They went out and signed Matt Paradis, who they thought was going to be a, a you know a good replacement to Ryan Khalil at center. Um, they they drafted two tackles in Greg Little and Dennis Daly. I'm willing to give them a little benefit of the doubt on a couple of rookies, especially since they didn't go get one like in the top 15 of the draft. Uh, but then, you know, Daryl Williams just looks like a colossal mistake to have resigned him at whatever the price. I mean, it, you know, six million bucks may not be a lot, but you, you don't expect for six million bucks for the guy to play one series in, in week 10 and give up a terrible sack in his only series. So, yeah, that, that to me is, is pretty troubling if you're, uh, if you're David Tepper that, you know, it, it wasn't like they ignored it and just tried to like fill it, you know, with, you know, in-house pieces. And, uh, and then at the end of the day, you know, they gave up five sacks to the Falcons uh, and, and got their quarterback killed. At uh, what is it? 15 minutes from now, when Ron Rivera starts his press conference, what are the odds that he gets a Colin Kaepernick question? You know, I thought he might get one of those yesterday. The, the fact that Eric Reed sort of addressed it last week uh, and, and kind of speaking, and, and you know, he relayed the story, which I'm sure you heard about, that he had talked to Tepper yeah. about Kaepernick and when, when Cam went on injured reserve. And Tepper said, hey, we're not going to sign a, a veteran quarterback. If we were, if that changes, he's somebody we would consider. And I, you know, I asked, Eric Reed again yesterday, his thoughts on the Panthers not going to Atlanta. 
not you know not even going to the original the initial workout that was going to be at the Falcons facility. And he said he'd had another conversation with David Tepper, and Tepper had basically said the same thing and said, you know, we are going to request the film on Cap, and uh, and and kind of go from there. So it seemed to satisfy Eric Reed, who you know it doesn't take a lot to get him sideways on some of these topics. But um, he did kind of conclude yesterday by saying, look, I think Colin could help us. He said, I think he could help just about any team he's on. Last thing for you real quickly, Joe Person of the Athletic Carolina. Stephen A. Smith is one of the more prominent sports media in our country, and he just flat out went toe-to-toe with uh, Eric Reed over the weekend. Uh, Stephen A. called Eric an, an immature, belligerent person that he still respects the heck out of. Uh, you expect that to continue? Uh, I only had about 30 seconds. I mean, is Eric going to have to answer questions about that now? That came up yesterday, and he kind of just blew it off and said, look, you all saw my tweets on Stephen A. That's you it. know where I come down on him. But, you know, I, I, I do think based on the, the kind of reaction I got on Twitter from some of the Eric Reed and Kaepernick stuff is that Panther fans are like, at least after a loss like that, they're more concerned about what the hell's going on with the secondary and the pass protection yeah. than they are worrying about Kaepernick. Well done. Joe Person at The Athletic Carolina online and at Joseph Person on Twitter. Thanks for the time, as always, man. Good luck with Ron Rivera. Hey, man. Have a great week. You too. Jay Billis of ESPN Live in about 10 minutes. Your phone calls too. 1-800-849-2761. Most people made Colin Kaepernick versus the NFL their worst of the weekend. I mean, some attacked the NFL, others attacked Colin Kaepernick. But I think a whole lot of people were just frustrated to see that it went down the way it did because it just didn't feel like it was any it made anything get closer to a thoughtful reasonable conclusion 1-800-849-2761 more of your phone calls throughout today's show best and worst of the weekend style jay billis of espn on all things ncaa and college hoops he'll start hour number two on the david glenn show mike shashevsky joining us we asked folks you work with at duke if you've changed or mellowed over the years well you know mellow is having a glass of wine and looking over you know the sunset you know <laughs> uh, i don't see how you can be mellow and coach a game that can't happen if it does then you shouldn't be coaching keep it here on the david glenn show Jay Billis loves college basketball, but sometimes doesn't like the NCAA at all. The ESPN college basketball analyst, former player and assistant coach at Duke, an attorney as well. We'll talk NCAA and its amateurism tweaks and a lot of college hoops next on The David Glenn Show. The David Glenn Show, where the great guests have so much fun, they never want to leave. I'll come give you a pep talk before your next show if you need me to. We could use that from you, Webb Simpson, anytime. Hey, I'll be your intern after this, this is everything open, man. We'll take Joe Harris as an intern every day <laughs> and twice on Sunday. Listen weekdays to The David Glenn Show.